You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, welcome to the program. What an absolutely fabulous weekend for all sports. Justin Jones is at Talladega. I was at Talladega. Many of you were at the Alabama game. Many of you were at the Auburn game. And both look much improved and Alabama continues, although, Justin, as we await Nick Saban to go to the podium and, and address the media as Alabama gets ready for their trip to Texas A&M, I, I still see some wrinkles that need to be ironed out. I'm, I'm not way off base on that observation, am I? No, I don't think you're way off base either. Um, I think the O-line looks better. There's still some issues there to work out. I think Milrow has to work on ball control and i'd love to see him throw it away more often instead of taking sacks um but man we have a we'll we'll enjoy it for right now up until nick saban gets on the podium um but then we have a big game coming up on saturday against texas a&m going to a&m's tough i don't care how good your team is first of all it'll be steamy hot in texas and second of all a&m is pretty good depending on what team decides to show up and, you know, you never know what you're going to get from Jimbo Fisher and, and Bobby Petrino. So you got that going on. And playing at Kyle Field is something special. And I've never had the privilege, actually. And I'd like to go because of the tradition, the fans, 12th man, all, all the different levels that you get when you see the Ags play. So that's what happened. Uh, meanwhile, golly, I was checking in and out during the game, Auburn-Georgia game. And... It was a fabulous game. Man, I thought Auburn was going to pull. Originally, I thought, all right, they're going to come out the half and they're going to, Georgia's going to mow them down. That didn't happen. And what a special weekend it was. And I know they didn't win. There are no moral victories. You ask you freeze, all that. But they brought in the big guns for recruiting. And I think that's going to pay off even more so because I've talked to several people that were at Auburn and they said it was an Sorry atmosphere. to interrupt, Matt. Going Let's live go to, to Nick, Nick Saban. You know, once we got going um, in the Mississippi State game, we played a lot better. You know, we had some early, you know, bumps in the road uh, on offense that were drive stoppers again. But once we got sort of past that, I thought we executed and played pretty well. I think Jalen settled down in the game and, you know, played well. And defensively, you know, we played, um, except for a couple spurts in the game where I thought we lost our intensity a little bit. You know, played pretty well, made some improvement. Um, so, you know, we need to build on the things that we're doing well. We need to eliminate. Um, and it's kind of like when do you say enough is enough when it comes to, you know, some of these things that we're doing to shoot ourselves in the foot, which are easily correctable. Uh, we need to get them corrected. Um, you know, we're playing a really good team this week. So it's going to be really important, I think, that um, you know, they're playing as well as they played all season long. They've gotten better and better and better since, you know, the early game. And, um, you know, they got a lot of good players. Uh, they're really good on defense. Jimbo does a really good job with them on offense. Uh, they've got some really good skilled players. So it's going to be really important for us to have the kind of intensity that we need to have throughout the week in practice. You know, it's almost like, hey, we're going to challenge you this week in practice. Um, because it's going to be hard in the game. And um, you need to 
be locked in all week long, and you need to be ready for the challenge that you're going to get when you play against a good team on the on the road in a really tough environment. So, you know, this team is, you know, leading the conference in defense. Uh, they're very good up front on defense. Uh, very difficult to run the ball against, and you know they score a lot of points. And you know the combination of those two things make them a really, really good team. So uh, this is going to be a real challenge for us. Start on the left, Chase. Connor Talty made a pretty nice solo tackle on a kickoff return Saturday. Um, how confident are you in the specialists as a group, as tacklers, and, and how often do you throw those guys in a tackling drill just to make sure their technique is sharp? Well, I hope they never have to make a tackle, if you want to know the truth about it. I mean, one of the worst things that could ever happen to us is one of them, because we have good specialists, so we put them in a tackling drill and they get hurt and they can't kick anymore. So they got to kick a lot. They got to tackle a little. So you got to kind of prioritize. You know, we do that some in camp, but, you know, I'm just hoping that they never have to make a tackle. And I think if we cover kicks the way we're supposed to, Hopefully they won't. Hey, Coach. Uh, have you been able to pinpoint the issue on the snaps and maybe how to clean those up? Uh, well, you know, we got to have just a little better focus, I think, on the importance of the snap because this has been a pretty consistent, you know, issue where it makes it harder for the quarterback to be able to function uh, when, you know, he doesn't have a dependable snap to deal with, whether he's faking, whether it's a play-action pass, whether he's trying to read coverage, because you've got to take your eyes off which, what you want to be looking at to be able to catch the ball. So uh, that's something we've been working on, and we certainly need to continue to work on it and improve, no question. In the middle with Matt. Have you seen Caleb Downs get better this season as he's gained a little bit of experience? Yeah, I think Caleb was a really good player, um, you know, right to start with. Uh, I think that, you know, one of the things that freshmen especially, you know, they kind of get the defense, they kind of learn uh, what they're supposed to do, and then you start getting into game plans where you got to tweak those things a little bit. You know, that that's where the experience really comes into play. So um, then you can put yourself in the right position, you know, more often, but he's played really, really well for us. Uh, he's bright, uh, smart, very instinctive as a football player, um, really works hard to prepare, very conscientious in terms of making sure that he um, knows exactly what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to be, and how he fits on the plays. And uh, I think that being a good player and being a very conscientious person the combination of those two has really en enhanced his development and improvement. Cody? What's been your uh, evaluation at left tackle the last couple weeks with Proctor and Pritchett? Yeah, well, I thought they played better in this game. Uh, this is probably the best they played, you know, all year. Um, so the offensive line as a whole, you know, played um, one of their better games against a, you know, t difficult, you know, front that stunts a lot. But um, 74 probably played the best he's played all year, which is a good thing, and hopefully that will give him some confidence. And I still think we have confidence that 57 can do a good job for us as well. Steph here with Nick Kelly. Is there anything different that you've noticed from Dallas Turner this year as compared to his first two seasons? 
Uh, Dallas has always been a good player for us. Um, he's always, you know, a hard worker, really conscientious guy. Um, you know, has a sort of high standard for how he wants to play and do things. And uh, this year, I think he's tried to take on a little bit more of a leadership role in terms of how he can impact and affect other people, you know, on the team, uh, which I think he's done a good job of. And, you know, he's played really well for us. How do you develop a quarterback's internal clock when it comes to either staying in the pocket or scrambling? Um, I don't know. How, <laughs> how are you going to deal with not having your phone? <laughs> you, you know, you're of that generation, you know, that I gotta, gotta have it. <laughs> you know, I think practice, you know, the one thing that, um, you can do in practice and get away with is not have to play with the right time clock to use your, uh, terminology. In, in terms of the rush is not going to be as quick. Um, you can hold the ball. You can try to figure things out. But then in the game, that all changes. So I think to create circumstances in practice where, you know, you have to get the ball out on time and you're constantly talking about getting the ball out on time, I think that's, that's really, really important, um, you know, for guys to um, develop that sense of time clock that – and it's the timing of the play. Uh, you know, sometimes when you hold the ball, the play open for a second, then it closes. So you got to throw the ball on time. That's very, very important. And we got to keep working on that. We saw Jeremiah Alexander with the uh, inside linebackers before the game. How much was that re related to Lawson's injury versus something more permanent? What have you seen from him in general? Well, I think it's something we've been considering. Um, and, you know, Jeremiah was developing nicely as a, an outside backer, wasn't getting to play much. So uh, the injury kind of enhanced, you know, this is the right time to do this. Uh, and, you know, I think it, it, it could be good for us in the future. Ryan? Coach, before the season you talked about the cake analogy with the quarterback, but as far as the defense, really a statement win this weekend. Do you use a different analogy, or is it kind of like a cake that never comes out? It's still growing every week. Well, it needs to grow every week. I think the whole team needs to grow every week. Uh, I think that you know we're there's so many things that we can improve on. Uh, there's so many things that you know if we can learn and pay attention to detail and have a sense of urgency and sustain that. You know, whether it's practice, games, whatever, uh, we're going to eliminate some of, you know, our, our negatives that um, have proven, you know, pretty costly. I mean, you can say we won the game, but you want to eliminate, you know, some of the, the mistakes because you always look at the play and say, okay, did they make a play because of what they did and how they executed it? Or was there some error on our part that, allowed them to make a play and those are the things you need to eliminate because then you're playing with a little more consistency and the whole object is is to make the other team beat you don't beat yourself yeah coach you said before the game miss terry told you to get onto the players if things didn't go well in the beginning after the game what did you think her thoughts on the game were well um she waited up for me to get home so that was a good thing uh but it, it was it was it was one of the first games she's missed, 
um, and didn't go to since we've been here. I think it is the first game, actually. And um, so, you know, she says she can see what's happening a lot better on TV. So I got coached up quite a bit um, when I got home. Two more. We'll start in the back. Hey, Coach, do you pay much attention to the standings or the rankings at all and with how things are currently shaping up? Are you letting your guys know that everything they want to achieve is still right there in front of them? Uh, look, we're trying to play one game at a time. We're trying to improve our team. I can't tell you where we're ranked. I can't tell you what the standings are. Uh, I think everybody kind of realizes, you know, the importance of every game that we play. Uh, and um, so... The, the, the whole focus is how can we play better? How can we play good? How can we improve? Not worrying about some outcome-oriented thing that may happen two months from now. Uh, I'm focused on what am I going to do in the next five minutes, the next 30 minutes, the next hour, the next two hours, the next three hours to help us play better as a team. That's all I care about, and I think that's my job. So we got guys like this guy over here who can do standings and rankings and put a poll together and say who should be this and that. And he's good at that. And I, I thank him for it. And just less time I have to spend doing it. We're going to finish with Joe. Coach Jihad got, us, got, got the start this past weekend, uh, obviously got the interception, but maybe missed a little. How, how do you coach him to have, uh, have correct eyes in the, in the backfield with all the motions and movements that, Texas, that uh, Mississippi State did? Yeah, well, we practice it all week. Um, discipline eye control is one of the most important things in playing football. And, like, everybody grows up watching the ball. I've talked about this before. So that's how you watch a game. But when you're playing a game, you have specific keys and things to look at. Like, if the guard pulls, it doesn't matter which way the back goes. Your key says go this way. When they run a slider, you got to know when you got to fall back and when you don't. All right, so, you know, we just got to keep working and working and working on those things so that, um, and, and I think communication, you know, helps that. And, and, and you know, I, we're constantly on the secondary to communicate because if they communicate, it makes it easier for the linebackers to know what, how and when the, and what they're supposed to do. So, you know, Jihad makes a lot of plays and he's developing nicely at the position uh, but experience is going to be critical for him to continue to grow and develop all right, thanks, Jeff. All right thank you there you have nick saban his weekly press conference and you think you're starting to get to know and get the feel in his disposition as he was very business-like saban like business-like when he opened until he started talking about how you going to deal without a phone in reference to an internal clock. And he cracked himself up. But you know what? It was funny. And he nailed it. All right, there you have it from the coach, Nick Saban. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with Matt Coulter, Justin Jones. Lars taking day off. He may check in. We'll just have to wait and see because uh, I, I think he's actually just uh, sitting in a room dark by himself because the Bengals are horrible. Oh, my. The NFL was crazy. What's going on there? The Braves. We're ready for postseason. We have so much going on. Bottom of the hour, Scott Griffin will join us, and we got Steve Irvine in the second hour. 
And in the meantime, this show is being presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. And don't forget the 30K code going to the app. Tide 100.9 is 240 this hour. You're listening to Big News Sports. Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon. The sky's sunny. The high today in the upper 80s around 88. Mostly clear tonight. The low 64. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 86 and 89 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is indeed Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars will join us perhaps a little bit later on the program. Justin Jones is at the mic and on the board, as we say in the business. And let's talk, uh, Justin, uh, a little bit about Alabama, a little bit about Auburn. But first, let's get the thoughts of our regular caller, Joseph. How you doing, Joseph? I'm doing good, man. How y'all doing today? Oh, man, it's just been a fabulous weekend. Um I'm not complaining at all. I'm a blessed man. I agree. With, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. But uh, I'll be on call and say, man, Alabama's got the best defense in the country, man. I don't think nobody comes close to it on defense. I'll be honest with you. I've got. I've watched the pile of football games this weekend, and I don't. I mean, the closest one that comes to it, even touches the defense is Georgia, but Alabama's got a singly defense. Now, with that being said. I still think there's some problems on offense as far as Miro staring down the receivers and because uh, they eventually somebody's going to play a zone and they're going to bait him into a throw and they're going to pick him off because they're going to be able to watch his eyes. But Miro's the best we got this year, so we all, we all can they just do what they're going to do because, I mean, I don't think any of the other quarterbacks can do any better. But Joseph. I will say this. I tend to agree with you. He's he's got room to improve, but haven't you seen his? He checked down a couple of times in the Mississippi State game, and he allowed his receivers to run open, and he waited, and he was checking off not just the primary, secondary. A couple of times, he's even throwing to his third. So, I I think my point here, Joseph, is yes, he's got improvement to do, but isn't he making it already? He is making improvement. I do see that far as uh, doing the little things right, but he's not no two or talking below a freshman year yet. I'll say that right now. Who was? <laughs> but uh, two two could look off a of safety. I mean, as, as a freshman now, I mean, as a true freshman, two could look off a of safety and make a throw because that throw he made to Devontae Smith in the national championship game, where he led the safety over with his eyes and he threw a deep ball. Over to the left, Devontae Smith. I have not seen Jalen Miro do that yet. He, he, yes, he's making improvement, but he has not looked off people like he's supposed to yet. I, uh, there are plays he doesn't, just flat out. I'll, I'll jump in there and say that. But every week I see him checking down more often. So, But... What he does with his legs, and, um, you know, there was a kind of lolly, lolly, yada, yada, yada attitude about that game until Bill Rowe took off. 53-yard touchdown, and that Nick Saban blessing out Arnold. Um, just, 
it was a different Alabama team after that. So anyway, all right, Joseph, I hope you have a very, very, you got a final comment? Uh, yeah, the, the, my only final comment is, is uh, Murrow, I think uh, he's going to win you some games, man. I'm just going to be honest with you. But I just, like I said, he's not a Tua. He's not a Mac Jones. He's not a Bryce Young. He's not none of them players. I don't think he ever beat to the caliber of those players because those, those players were doing stuff that he, on their early starting years, and he's not done, done yet. I mean, like like I told you before, Tua was doing this stuff as a true freshman. I mean, Tua's special, but it ain't like every day you get a Tua come through the program either. But um, like I said, I, Alabama's defense, Alabama's defense is gonna keep us in any ball game right now. I tell you that now. No kidding. And I, you know what? I think that's just fine with Nick Saban and and most Alabama fans. I, I don't think Alabama fans believe they got to hang sixty on people every week like we were doing. Uh, in 21 but hey joseph good call appreciate it and uh, we'll talk to you again later this week i'm sure all right man milrose started it with that run but justin just before we go to the break and bring scott griffin on on the other side of the bottom of the hour um what were your thoughts when saban i don't want to say lost it or opened up a can on his football team <laughs> well i I loved it um, because I was doing something similar in my living room as I was watching it. Um, I was coaching the TV really hard. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I think, though, I think we've seen Coach get angry some this season, and it's not been to that level. And it's always good to see it as um, it, it gives you flashbacks of those first couple seasons he was here in 2009 especially. Um, but the big part was on the players because not only did they get yelled at, but they actually went out there and, and seemed to change and start playing with a different kind of attitude. I mean, I don't even know those first few drives. It was just – it didn't even hardly look like football, let alone Alabama football. Um, and we all have Miss Terry to thank for it. And Miss Terry is such a great per, uh, person and wife, and I love her so much, and I love her even more. <laughs> uh, I was absolutely – I'll use the word stunned that she didn't go to the game. Nick Saban just said that in his news conference, and that's the first time she's ever missed an Alabama football game since Nick Saban has been the head coach at the Capstone. Uh, Is that a trend? I don't – maybe, you know, maybe she needed that different – the same reason that coordinators go into the the box, you know, to get almost a bird's eye view. Maybe she needed uh, – Coach Miss Terry – (laughs) <laughs> needed a, a a different perspective from the TV at home and and you know, to coach up. I wonder, you know, he said it was Miss Terry said go ahead and yell at him if you need to and I'm paraphrasing very loosely. But did she communicate that telepathically or had she told him before the game? I don't know. Interesting. Uh Scott Griffin was at the Auburn Georgia game on Saturday. And then yesterday, lo and behold, I went, ran into him at Talladega. So he had a busy weekend. We'll talk to him. And for those that don't know, for those that don't know, I'm gone. Did you lose me? No, we yeah. still have you, Matt. Are you still here? Okay. Yeah, I'm here.
Kelly Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Yes, indeed. It's Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing and Union Home Mortgage. Appreciate everyone dialing us in, bringing our next guest. I'll tell a quick story as we were both at Talladega covering the race, and I walked into the media dining area. And by the way, big plug to Mike Bolton. His pork chops are just unbelievable. I don't know if he caters or whatever, but just Google Mike Bolton and see if he can make you some pork chops because they're outstanding. They're uh, 200 miles an hour. But I'm over there, and I'm getting ready to go grab a Powerade, and there's a guy walking away from the Powerade area, the, the machine there, freezer, cooler. And I said, damn, that looks like Scott Griffin, but he has hair. And so I, I didn't say anything like, hey, Scott. I just kind of walked closer to him, and I turned around. There's Scott with hair. Scott Griffin, my longtime <laughs> partner and friend. I mean, Scott, you, you and I go back to, um, I don't know, TV 301 at Alabama. But uh, yes. we've known each other. We know each other a long, long time. But, um, you know, and I'm not, you know, here, here to judge anybody's looks. But I like the hair. It looked good. Well. Thanks. That's the way we were supposed to be, right? Till <laughs> well, genetics. except for you and me. <laughs> yeah, genetics took over or something. So, uh, yeah, I had cut my hair off for so many years and and uh, decided to grow it out again. So, I have no Scott, idea why. Just no, no random reason. Well, and like I said, I'm really not one to ask about uh, the looks of a guy. Let's leave it there. I yeah. didn't really know how to yeah. introduce you because... Let's face you do kind of bounce around from the local TV station. So if you were to introduce yourself now, what would you say? I have no idea. <laughs> I always tell people I've literally worked at every TV station, most every radio station, and keep getting calls back when people need help. So I guess I'm like the long bullpen relief guy, you know, when, <laughs> when something happens and there's a role to fill for a while, they'll, you know, try to get help from somebody so that's that's what i do they'll bring fine. in the right yeah, i mean they'll bring in the right hander from green acres yeah yeah that's what yeah, that's what tap, i'm there the and it's flattering you know i mean it's, yeah. it's flattering for different people to think yeah man help us out for a little while man yeah great super so yeah you still got some giddy up on that fastball hey uh, a little bit give me your 
Give me your overall take on the race yesterday. Personally, I was so pulling for Kevin Harvick to win in his final season. But it was an eyelash difference, and Ryan Blaney ended up in victory lane where you and I both were. Your thoughts? Eyelash? Was it that close? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think uh, you it was know, four I mean, inches. Yeah, it, it was. I said 18 in my story, but who knows? It was what they call it. I think 12 one thousandth of a yeah. second. Um, but look, we know Matt, he covered racing far more than anybody. So this race, particularly since they moved it to the fall, is the most competitive race in NASCAR history, according to data and close finishes and lead changes and all the things that would make a, a competitive race. For some reason, this is the way this place is. And it lived up to that and more yesterday. I think there were 30 cars on the lead lap with, uh, I think, 10 laps to go or something, 30 lead cars on the lap. So it's just, uh, it's incredible I, to, to see Harvick, a veteran with such a young guy like Blaney, going at it the last lap or so, and everybody right on their bumper. That was really cool to see. Um, and then to hear Blaney explain how he, you know, just edged him out, you know, it's just a little bit better car by 12 thousandths of a second, I guess. It's, it's amazing. But look, Harvick, I think he's won three this year, hasn't he? So uh, he's, he's had a great year. Uh, Hamlin's won three. Harvick is yes. Hamlin. This I'm year. sorry. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Hamlin's won three. You're right. Sorry about that. And and uh but Harvick to to have gone out with a win at Talladega, who doesn't want that? I mean, it's one of the most storied tracks around. But Blaney, he's magic there. You know, I think he's had yep. five he's only had five top ten finishes this year. And so he's been very average or below average for the year. And then he comes in there and races like that. Looks like a million bucks. He's, he's won at Talladega three times. You know, that track just brings itself to have odd things happen. And, and that's what happened yesterday. It's a great race. We had great weather. I asked you one more question oh, about this. Because you and I, yeah, you and I were out there back in the day, as you mentioned, when they had it in August. Do you remember how absolutely brutally hot it was? We, as oh, reporters, I, running around from Victory Lane to the med medical infield care center, and I would lose three pounds. Uh, yeah. But you'd look inside the cockpit. Like, I once looked inside Davey Allison's car, and he had a thermometer, and it went to 135, and it went to 135 and pressed it so hard it broke the needle off. But yeah, how did they do that? I don't know. I remember when it was in July. Not that not yeah. that August is not as hot, but it was just where where the heat was just rising from the concrete, which affected the cars obviously too. I don't know how they did it because you know I think they thought cool suits were uh, were pretty cool. But if you remember, some old school guys did not use cool suits, which is no. absolutely insane. Um, so I don't know um, how that's possible, but. It, somehow they pulled it off and, and, and got it going. They're tougher, tougher people. It's like Nick Saban says, right? They don't make them like they used to. So no. there you go. Um, one current driver, and I wish I could remember exactly who, and they, they had these cool suits, which do just that. 
But he won't wear yeah. it because when he did wear it before and it malfunctioned, it was worse than it could have been if he never had it. You understand what I mean? And it, that, that made sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I had the option, I'd take it. Hey, tell me about Auburn. Auburn is an odd football team. I mean, they've kind of gone with Peyton Thorne, who looks pretty good when you watch him. He's got he's got feet. I think he runs better than people think. Uh, he, he seems to throw the ball well, but for some reason, third down passing, it, well, passing at, at any stretch against Power 5 is bad. I think this was the sixth straight game against Power 5 that they had less than 100 yards yeah. passing. Now, nice. to balance that out, the first two or three of those, um, they had over two or 250, 300 yards rushing, so they weren't throwing the ball. But the last three or four, they've been trying to run and throw, and they haven't been able to throw at all. So uh, they've got the running game figured out. I mean, Thorne had a 61-yard run Saturday when I was at the Auburn-Georgia game, and they still, if you took that out and said, okay, that was one big play, they still had 158 yards rushing. So, uh, Betty A looked good. A backup runner, Jarquez Hunter, is, is talented. Their line was better. But just think how good they could be if they could get some kind of passing game. Their third down stuff is just not there. They don't have a receiver that can get separation and just beat that guy. And, um, you know, I think they're just lacking players on that. But they, they've got to improve the third down pass. How do you size them up defensively? They're getting better, Matt. I think they're getting better. They had a couple of turnovers that turned into points Saturday. I think uh, Asante's really good. I think McLeod, the other linebacker, made some good steps Saturday. Their secondary's pretty good. They could use some more horses up front in the defensive line and some more rotation. But I think they're they're okay. They're not outstanding by any stretch, but I think they're they're pretty good. Um, I, I think Asante is really good. Uh, the first linebacker I mentioned, he kind of looks like a safety. He can really run and make plays. Um, but I don't I don't think they have enough defenders over there. But I think they're pretty solid. Uh, look, I mean, if they get seven or eight wins, Matt, I think it's a good year for them. Oh, if yeah. you look at their schedule. They have an off week this week, so they can look at the video and feel good about themselves and see what they did right. And then, you know, a lot's going to determine in the next couple of weeks. They got LSU and Ole Miss, one at home and one on the road. But after that, they have three or four they should win if they play like they did against Georgia. Now, we've seen them not play well, like A&M and then offensively the way they played against Cal. So any game's winnable or losable, but I can – I can see when I look at their schedule Saturday, possibly winning seven or eight games, which to me yeah. would be pretty solid for Hugh Freeze in his first year. Can you hang through a break? You know the business. I know you sure. have something to do this. Okay, if you can hang through a break, because I, I really got to yeah. ask you about the atmosphere Saturday. And also, does Georgia have a chink or two in the Bulldog armor? Scott Griffin is our yeah. guest here on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage, and we'll be back in a flash.
Coming up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Monday edition of The Game, we'll feature Barrett's Elite, CBSSports.com. We'll talk to Mark Houston, 1992 national champion winning fullback at the University of Alabama. We'll do the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is sponsored by Daniel Moore. We'll take your phone calls, we'll take your reactions, and we'll recap Alabama, Mississippi State. Starting at 2 o'clock here on The Game on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon. The sky's sunny. The high today in the upper 80s, around 88. Mostly clear tonight, below 64. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 86 and 89 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Indeed it is, and our guest from Channel 42 and other platforms as well is, is Scott Griffin. Scott was in attendance at the race in Talladega yesterday and the day before he was at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Scott, I heard a lot of guys that came that went to the game and then came to the race the next day say that that was about as a, an electric atmosphere as they had seen in Auburn as a long, long time. Would you concur? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I haven't been there a lot in the last two, three years, but it it's it was yeah, pretty strong. Um, I hesitate, I guess, because I've been there for Iron Bowls. I've been there for Kick Six and all that. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different, but uh, I think it was a good atmosphere that got better and stronger for obvious reasons as they stayed in the game at halftime and and into the third quarter but you know georgia didn't play their best game auburn played pretty clean they only had one penalty uh they had no turnovers that i remember at all um and still fell short but they certainly had enough things they should feel good about and build on for the future but the, but the atmosphere was uh Pretty good, and I think the the eighty three team being there, getting celebrated, helped that too. Is uh, does Georgia? Where does Georgia need to improve? Oh, um, you know, I I don't see a great running back, a great quarterback, a great receiver. They're all good, but I don't see greatness. But I think their belief that they are the best team and that they are the best program and they're just expected to win. I think sometimes we don't talk about that enough because they look beatable. Beck looks talented, but, you know, he's not the best quarterback I've seen. Now, Brock Byers, he, uh, Brock Bowers, I should say, he's he's off the grid, off the chart. And, uh, but, I, but I still can't figure out why he's off the charts because he's pretty fast, but he's not crazy fast. He's, he's big, you know, but he's not crazy big. I can't figure out why he's so special. He's got great hands, but uh, for some reason, he, he makes big plays and big moments, and that he might be the best college football player in America. But, yeah, um, you know, Georgia's – I think it's their belief, Matt, 
Are they beatable? Yeah. Do they have chinks? Sure. They don't have a Roquan Smith. They don't have uh, some of those defensive linemen that they used to have. They're good. You know, their secondary is good. They still come up and hit you hard. But they don't have, uh, you know, some of the guys they've had in the past year or two. And if they do, they're very young. But are they still good enough to win it? Sure. Because they think they are, you know. I think Bowers has a very high football IQ, which helps. And uh, to be a yeah. slot tight end guy, he, he gets he gets really good separation. Uh, and if you play mm-hmm. zone defense on that guy, he's going to chew you up. And then the other thing, and, and even though he won back-to-back national championships, I, Stetson Bennett is still underrated. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's quite troubling how good this kid was, and yet people – don't want to give him credit. Yeah, he, he was a very good player. And he was really, you know, a better runner than people thought. He's, uh, you know, had a better arm than people thought. But he just wasn't 6'3", 215. But that's what happens to everybody, right? That's why Tua can't play. Because he doesn't look like Yeah. Him. Yeah, it doesn't matter what he looks like. I can see what he does. And uh, he's really good. And Stetson Bennett was really good. And by the way, he made an NFL team. He's, he's not on one right now for three or four weeks, but he did make a team. So somebody thinks he can play in the National Football League, and who would have thought that at five, ten and a half, five, eleven, whatever he is? So, yeah. Scott, have you seen? I mean, Georgia's certainly undefeated, and they carry two championships going for a third. Uh, have you seen a team that's really dominant so far this year, or if not just one, name two or three or four or five? Well, Texas, they look pretty good. <laughs> they beat Alabama. Uh, so I think they're one of the top teams till somebody knocks them off. Everybody's talking about Michigan, you know, being really good. I, I don't think there's any great teams, though. I don't see any daunting teams. You know, USC beat Colorado, but they allowed them to get back in the game and only won by seven. Um, you know, Oregon has looked pretty good. They kind of destroyed Colorado, but that was, I'm not sure how good Colorado is. Um, you know, Ohio State's always good. But I, I don't think there's a team that can really run away and separate itself and say we're head and shoulders like Georgia has the last two years. I think you could say that now. But now, to your point earlier, they look like they may have some chinks in the armor or they're, or they're kind of not so otherworldly at different positions. So, um, you know, they don't have George Pickens, a receiver that they can throw to even when he's covered. So, you know, um, I, I think George is still there till somebody shows that they're not worthy of it. And I don't know who would compete with them. I agree with you 100%. Let's uh, shift to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and just give me your view on their season, I just think they continue to get better and better. Well, I mean, I, I kept telling people when they'd asked me my opinion early on, I'm like, well, it just seems like they have a big old lineman and uh, an elite running quarterback and receivers that can't get separation, and they were trying to be a drop-back team. It seems like the last couple of weeks they're going, hey, you know what? We should be a running team and just mix in the pass. And I think you've seen them get better at that. So that's what I would do. 
because Jalen Milrow is an elite runner. You can talk about his pass. You can talk about his reads. He still misses reads. He still misses reads on the RPOs. You know, he still hesitates a little bit and holds the ball and doesn't throw it when a receiver's open. But he's getting better at it. But I don't think there's any question he's an elite running running quarterback. So they're doing more predetermined runs and design runs for him, and they've looked better. I think he was the highest-rated quarterback in the SEC this week. So, you know, and we, we know about their line and the problems they're having pass blocking. And, you know, I, I personally think they're overweight, but obviously Alabama doesn't because I think they put a lot of weight on those guys. So um, if that's what they want to do, average 350 across the line, then sounds like you need to run the football and run right behind them. So they're figuring that out. Scott, how much have you seen Nick Saban's disposition change since 07? Oh, a ton. I think it started with the uh, uh, tornadoes. Yep. I think that softened him up a bit. Um, and he was very involved, as as was the team. So I think that started to do it. I think AIDS has. And the guy that used to ream everybody about complacency, I don't want to say he's gotten complacent, but I think he's softened his edge to go forward every year and and do the things he always preaches about a new season and all that kind of stuff. If you notice lately, he talked about how even in a loss, his team played hard or they did this or that. And he just, he just sounds different than the Nick Saban that would never have even accepted that if they lost. So he, he softened some. Now everybody's saying the old Nick Saban's back after <laughs> the explosions from this past weekend on the uh, sideline, but we'll see. Um, you know, but I, I think it all started with that tornado step. That's where I saw a difference. Yeah, and you know, Lars, my partner, regularly uh, wrote a book, The Storm of the Tide. And yeah. you in that book, you'll read it. And by the way, it's an incredible read. Uh, you know, right... <laughs> don't just throw anything on a piece of paper and end up in the New York Times bestsellers list. So, anyway, there's yeah. a plug for my partner. Hey, Scott, I, don't, I have never asked you this question. We have known each other 40-plus years. But what got you into broadcasting? And then equally as important, why'd you stay? <laughs> I don't know why I stayed. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I do some other jobs and have the last several years. Um you know, I, I probably thought I thought like you that I would stay in it forever. And then whenever I got, you know, older and not on the air or whatever, that I would probably be a news director or something like that. But that's never happened. So um had to get real jobs and still work real jobs to, to try to make a living. Uh, I don't know. I, I've always wanted to do this since I was six, seven, eight years old and would record Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football. And I was fascinated by that. And fascinated by people talking about sports you know and getting paid to do that it was just kind of crazy and for some reason i was you know i'm, I'm i was like you a, you know a nerd when you grew up on knowing sports and facts and stats and what this guy hit and you know who the braves backup guy was and all the stuff you and i know and um it, it was just something that was enjoyable to it was never like work 
and uh, just decided to pursue that. And you know, you and I look back and probably go, "Ah, we could have done this or that better," and you know, whatever. But I think, you know, wasn't, wasn't a bad career. Probably wasn't the greatest ever, you know, but uh, not too bad. And it looks like it's still going on, and to a small yeah. extent, which is fine. So uh, I don't know. It's just something I've always. I wanted to do it since I was young and and did it. You know, I didn't pretty, know. I guess I was too stupid to know any better. No, you're, you're pretty <laughs> so, damn good. You know that. Yeah. Uh, hey, as we roll out, and I think we have about a minute here, would you please tell the listeners to Big Noon Sports uh, about the Rico Cardi bat? Oh, just sitting in, uh, down the uh, right field line, right? Because you remember his dance. Yeah. With his elbow poking out, and he was always uh, uh, really a center field, right field hitter. He could pull it, obviously, but I was sitting in the stands at Old Fulton County Stadium, I think, and um, he hit a line drive <laughs> right at me, and I ducked, and it hit the back of my seat and just broke the seat. I could have been decapitated. That that thing was the hardest hit ball I've ever seen, and I always loved Rico Cardi anyway, right? Won an athlete batting championship, so he was terrific. Yeah. I don't know. That that story just always uh, kind of intrigued me. <laughs> Scott. I didn't uh, get the ball either. Oh, oh that, now that sucks. That's yeah. not right. Somebody should have given it to the little kid. It's amazing to me how many adults do that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Scott, I know I'll see you soon. I appreciate you joining us. Have a great day. Yes, sir. All right, All right. Matty. Scott Griffin, Channel 42 and... If you're a Vestavia High School football fan, you probably know him because he's producing their games. He's got his fingers in a lot of pies, as do I, for that matter. And we will continue with more Big Noon Sports on the other side of the break. This is presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. It's back. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 496. Again, that's 496. The code is 496. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing. You got Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson taking the day off. And then there's Justin Jones, who's back at our flagship station, Tide 100.9. Going to bring him in and talk a little bit about the weekend because uh, certainly we were all focused in on Alabama saturday night to almost sunday morning and then he went to the race yesterday but what i want to talk to you and it was just never to me more noticeable and annoying than saturday night's cowbell issues what i don't know why that continues to go on because now they have all this timing down and they know the importance of third down and when they start on third down rattling those it changes the audio. It it, uh, it checks the processor of the audio on nationally and locally, you know, radio and TV. 
And it's very uh, disruptive to me. Your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, it was very disruptive. I think even, like you just said, watching it on TV, it was very noticeable um, and almost too loud to watch on TV. Like, you couldn't hear the announcers. You couldn't hear... um, really like the fans you just heard the ringing of the cowbells um i think it's kind of a double standard from the uh uh, sec slash ncaa on allowing it i get it's the culture and the history um but it is it's just i don't see how it can keep going on because even though they have the timing set up um talking to several people that were in starkville you had a a bunch of uh fans that were still ringing those cowbells when they shouldn't have been and there's no way you're not going to be able to control that unless you say no more cowbells which mississippi state fans would probably lose their mind if that were to ever happen oh i think there would be a major protest i really do but i think it's become so annoying and and you know what will stop it if tv says i'm going to step in and say listen this is really affecting our broadcast and we need the, to stop uh, the, stuff. the other word for TV there, Matt, is uh, if the dollars, <laughs> the dollars, dollars talk. talk, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's go to the race for a minute. We've talked a lot about Alabama. Just kind of give me your, not hour by hour, but first of all, you and myself and Carrie and Mark did our postgame show, believe it or not. We couldn't go to walk-ons, and that's a pain because I love their food, their atmosphere, and they've got a wonderful selection of beers and such. But we still did our post-game show, which is in the wee hours of the morning. You got two hours sleep, drove to the track. I actually got four, but, hey, explain your Sunday. How did it go? What did you think about the race? Well, you know, Matt, my weekend actually started on Thursday. This might be the longest weekend I've ever had in my life. Um, I drove to Birmingham Thursday night to go see the Thomas Rhett concert at the BJCC. So we did that Thursday night, and we didn't get home till maybe 1 in the morning still. And so then I was producing Friday morning, uh, Big News Sports, all the other shows just this morning like I am today. And then on top of that, Friday night, the high school sports, high school football with, uh, with Kerry Clark from we, – we, we go 6 to 9 and then 10 to 11. <laughs> And then Saturday was uh, as lazy as I could be in the mornings, um, watching football, watching the Alabama game to three in the morning. And then finally, Sunday, going to Talladega, which was a blast. Uh, drove there in the morning, about seven, eight-ish we left from Tuscaloosa. Got there. Um, so pr- traffic wasn't too awful getting in. And then it was really just enjoying the, I think NASCAR, and I talked a little bit about this with Gary Harris this morning on his show it's very sensory and i feel like that you don't get that when you're just watching it on tv and i think that's where um i kind of was wrong in um my initial assumptions of nascar as a fan not really wanting to watch it um because in person the smells the sound uh, is such a huge part of the experience um and talladega is just great as well as the food and drinks that are available for you to get as well you know, uh, I've told a lot of people that in some ways it's like hockey. Go to a hockey game. It's totally different than and, – and sitting on the glass. It's totally different than watching on TV. You cannot get the effect. And then again, you know, Talladega is just special in its own way. And I know I probably talked too much about it. It was very special to me. 
Um, it's been great. I covered my first race there 40 years ago. Can you believe that? Not, not, not that long years ago. ago. You know. hey, well, you weren't around, were you? <laughs> Absolutely not. I was not around. Hey, uh, <laughs> you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned this Thomas Rhett guy. Uh, he's an American country music artist. Yeah, yes, sir. Saturday, Saturday night at Talladega, they had Hardy. And I've never seen the infield so crazy. But it was your it was your demographic. Are you familiar with this guys? And yeah, man, they were going absolutely bananas <laughs> over this group. Yeah, he actually uh, he performed in Tuscaloosa not that long ago. I want to th- I think a month ago. Um, and he actually was performing with uh, another country artist, Lainey Wilson, who's very popular right now. Um, I wish I got to go out there <laughs> Saturday, although clearly I, I don't know if I'd be able to stay awake even with the, the cars running around the track <laughs> after our morning show. But you're, you're saying it was crazy? It was, everybody was uh, Crazy good. It. I mean, well, yeah. Listen, uh, I kind of described him. I didn't go, but I did a little research. And, of course, my son and his friends, they all went. Because, you know, they're about your age. And best description I was able to get is that he's a, a rock and roll guy wrapped in country music. And then they started telling me about all the songs he had written for every charted artist in country music, including Taylor Swift. Did I... Do you yeah. think I accurately described that guy? No, I think that was perfect. He, he v- was very much a songwriter um, and has a lot of credits on lots of different things with different different artists hey let's talk about alabama football again uh i started with the cowbells but no, i uh really quick too while just because list on alabama football listening to joseph talk kind of energized my brain here and i i think the first comment i gave to you at the start of the show on Jalen milrow was that he held the ball a little too long and we talked about progression and how he's learning and getting better I think him holding the ball and kind of lacking and on slacking on getting it out and maybe throwing it away instead of taking a sack is really a testament to him improving at his reads and being more careful and precise with the decisions that he's making in throwing the ball. I think with a lot of the throws, you know, he's looking at his coverages, looking at his reads, he may see everything's locked up and he's going to throw it anyway. So, I think he can still improve at throwing the ball away. But, Matt, do you see that? Do you see him being like, yeah. I think that's why he's holding it more. He's just saying, I'm not going to make an error or a mistake here. It's better to take a sack and retain possession than it would be to throw a pick. There is such a fine line between taking a sack and trying to throw it out of bounds because it just takes such mental quickness. It takes, it also takes experience. And we need to remember that this guy is uh, just not even halfway through his first season as a starter. And he played. He started one game and finished another one last year. But I think we got to, you know, quarterbacks are not just made overnight. I mean, there are very few Tua's that come in and just blow everybody away on the first snap, literally. We're, we're just uh, so spoiled as Alabama. We really we are. got to remember that, don't we, Justin? Yeah. Who are the last four quarterbacks? Exactly. They're all, 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 all Heisman finalists, the last four, with a Heisman winner. And yep. I think I remember back, we were at a point with uh, like with Jake Coker, this is before Jalen Hurts, where Alabama fans would say, oh, well, you know, we're always going to have nobody at quarterback, and we're, Nick Saban's going to 
just always turn whoever's at quarterback to to do what we can. I mean, AJ was great, Greg McElroy was great, but man, we've had some playmakers at that position. By the way, AJ's still in the NFL. They uh, they called him up what a couple of weeks ago with the Bengals. Yeah, with I don't. The Bengals. I think he's on the uh, on the reserve roster. A reserve but. or pra- well, who knows? With how Joe Burrow's playing and with his injury, maybe. <laughs> Lars might not like to hear this, but maybe you know, we I, see AJ kind of step up onto the, the the main roster. You know, he didn't come out and say it when he said uh, we we're talking. He take the day off. I think that's why uh, Burrow and the Bengals are bad. And while we're on that note, and then we'll get we'll bring in Steve Irvine. Uh, I'm not tired of it. In fact, I'm I'm becoming more intrigued by this Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey thing. Did you did you watch yesterday? Well, you were at the race, just like me. I only saw highlights. Funny people enough, people are going uh, absolutely crazy. Oh, it's insane, and the NFL is loving every bit of it because they've got about fifty thousand plus new fans. Um, funny enough, driving back from Talladega, my dad gives me a call. Um, he had been playing in a veterans golf tournament um, in Birmingham all day, but he was home watching the game, and he said, "I, I have the report for you." I said, uh-oh, something's wrong. Like, what's the report? And he goes, Taylor Swift is in attendance at MetLife. And then of course, uh, after I've read further into it, she was surrounded by some of some real A-listers. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, um, Hugh Jackman was there. Really? I said this stuff I didn't know. Yeah, just a, a press box full of Hollywood stars. And I mean... I guess that makes sense when you're talking about Taylor Swift. Do you like Taylor Swift? Uh, I like Taylor Swift. I, I like some of her older stuff um, when she was kind of a country artist instead of like pop megastar, I'd say. I don't really listen to it all the time now. You know, when you get right down to it, most country music now is more pop. You know, what we used to call middle of the road or mass appeal. Um, there's this distinct difference between Hardy and Conway Twitty. Let's put it that way. <laughs> a little difference. Uh, a little difference. You ever watch Family Guy? Cracks me up when they go, and now, Mr. Conway Twitty. Yeah. <laughs> and they, just, they play like this minute excerpt of him singing the Grand Ole Opry or something like that. Well, you that. know, Matt, speaking of old country, I told you we, me and my buddies were jamming out to some music while we were stuck in Talladega traffic. I introduced them to David Allen Coe last night. Really? And they they loved hadn't it. heard of him? They hadn't heard of him, and they loved it. Absolutely loved it. In a rare moment, my son, Matt Jr., will get up at karaoke and sing that song. Uh, you know, what is it? Um, you don't have to call me darling, darling. Is that it? It's uh, You Was never called me by my you never name. Me by name. Wow, we really took it from A to Z in that segment. I don't know if you've seen it. I've not seen the video. I have just watched it. But evidently, there was an incident in UAB's loss against Tulane between head coach and assistant coach. We'll talk about that and a lot more with Steve Irvine on the other side of the break. As you're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Join time. 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon. The sky's sunny. The high today in the upper 80s, around 88. Mostly clear tonight, the low 64. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 86 and 89 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage, but also, when we talk football, we talk uh, UAB and Alabama and Auburn with guys like Steve Irvine. want to give a shout-out to Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, and she'll be with us again on Friday as we broadcast live from Free. Steve Irvine, longtime sports writer. I didn't mean to put that much emphasis on long. Sorry. You're a <laughs> no, you did. I... Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm old. Let's, let's face it. I own a yeah. mirror. I, I see what I look like. Hey, um, let's go straight to UAB. I have not seen the video, nor do I even know if it's available, but I've just read about it. Um, and UAB's, by the way, they fought Tulane and had a chance to win this football game. But the Green Wave ended up beating the Green and Gold Blazers, 35-23. But what can you tell us about the incident concerning assistant coach Bo Dawson and head coach um, Trent Dilfer? Uh, the assistant coach was uh, Kenneth Gilstrap uh, in the Tulane game. Yeah, Bo, da- Bo Dawson was the uh, incident he had in high school with at, at Lipscomb with a, a player that. that oh, was a, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that's but, right. Now and I don't know a lot that. about I'm that. Just... I'm not, I don't know about that situation. But no, with, with Kenneth Gilstrap. Question. Yeah. Well, no, no, it's a good question. But basically, what happened was basically he's. He said a couple times. He said to me yesterday when we talked, and he, and he said at his press conference today, he you know he he regrets it and he feels like he went overboard, which he did. And uh, but it was you know a situation, an emotional situation where they're you know they're down. They had just fumbled the ball into the end zone, and uh, and then they made a defensive stop and forced a punt. And it was it was a pretty bad punt, and they would have had the ball you know inside the fifty, but they had too many men on the field, and and uh, you know he. He kind of went after Gilstrap uh, as a uh, as a special teams coordinator, and he he kind of went after him hard, you know, and and uh, and it was a tantrum, and 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 you know, he, again, he regrets it, and I mean, I understand I understand the emotion at the time, I do. Uh, uh, you you have to handle it better than that, and you know, he's admitted that, and um, you know, he said part of what uh, you know what you don't see or what don't know was. He's on a headset at the time, and he's basically, you know, taking it out on everybody, you know, and, and saying, you know, hey, how, how did somebody not see this? Uh, but, you know, 
it, it looks like he's just going after the one, you know, one guy, but he's not, you know, and, and so, I mean, it was, Hey, it was a, a, a bad situation. Um, you know, it, uh, it's something that uh, if he could do over, he would. Uh, but, but, you know, honestly, he, he's a fiery guy and, and honestly, it's got to happen again, probably, you know, at some point, you know, and, and, uh, just, that's just his, sort of his personality. And, and, uh, you know, I think he'll think about it more maybe next time and, you know, maybe stop himself and stop it short. But, uh, you know, it was just one, one of those moments. And, and you know, I know there's, I know you can't do what he did. You can't, I mean, you really can't, but you know, it's not the first time it's happened. And, um, and certainly in the first time it's happened within this state. And, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of times when your win loss record or you have, you don't have the championships, you're going to come after you a little harder for what you're doing than if you're a championship winning coach, which, you know, to me, doesn't make it right. You know, either way, it's not right either way. So that's just, that's kind of a nutshell, of, you know, what happened. You know, we just have so many broadcasts of games and social media that something, if that happened 20 years ago, we'd probably not even, you know, but it was on CBS Sports Network, so it was broadcast nationally if you had that particular app. But I, I don't think people should get all bug-eyed about this because, gee, do you remember back in the uh, Pat Dye era and Jack oh, Crow? And oh, uh, Coach, Coach Bryant used to wear Mal Moore out. So this oh, is not... Oh, yeah, it's, it's happened forever, you know. Yeah, it, it's happened forever, and you know, honestly, the the same day that that happened, there's a lot of stories and talk celebrating that Saban went off on some players, uh, and kind of was the old Nick Saban and sort of brought that fire back, you know. So, so again, there's a double standard a little bit here, you know. And again, now, now he went over. There's no doubt Trent Dilfer went overboard. There's none, and he'll tell you he went overboard. Uh, so, so you're not I'm not defending him in that sense, but you know we're celebrating one coach kind of becoming more fiery or returning to more fiery, and uh, and you know and and a lot of people are really on deal for hard about this, and so it's 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 funny, and, and and you're right. I mean, with the cameras, hey hey, I mean it wasn't shown, but in the I think it was a Louisiana game, it was a home game. There was a there was a couple of times where he went out uh, went after the defensive coordinator at one point and went after one of the offensive coaches. I don't remember who it was for things that happened during the game in that game, but no no camera really caught it. You know, so it, now it wasn't quite as over the top as this one was, but it, but he went after him hard now, and and so you know they could have been you know if that was on camera they could have been talking about that too. So uh, it just it, it is what it is. I mean to to me I, I don't know that. Um, you know, I haven't talked to, to, you know, Kenneth Gilstrap or anybody else that was involved in the, you know, in the, you know, on the other side of it. But, uh, you know, I, hey, that's part of part of this game. It's part of athletics. What has he said and told Steve Irvine uh, about how this season has gone, his first year at the helm at UAB? He's frustrated. I mean, there's no doubt that he's frustrated. He's, he, um, you know the thing that's the thing that's really the couple of things that are really bothering him or really are really hitting him hard is 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 uh, one is is how close they are and and it's, it's uh, a lot of self-induced mistakes you know whether it be coaching or and coaching and playing you know players and the coaches both and and you know they'll they'll uh, you know like he says you know we'll, we'll have four plays run really well and then the fifth play will ruin it all you know and. and and so I think that that's um, that's a frustration to see that uh, 
you know, it's one thing like when 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 Neil Calloway came to uh, to UAB and he had to um, you know he had to basically run off a, a lot of guys and and they ended up having I think fifty something guys on scholarship and they just you know they got beat really bad almost every week and you know but you could look at it and go okay we just we we don't have the players you know we don't have enough numbers right now so this is this is you know I can understand it you know I don't like it but I can understand it. Where in this case, you know, he sees, he sees it. And yeah, there's some spoken mirrors a little bit and a, little, a few little holes here and there or some holes here and there. But, but, but it, it, it's a team that could, should be winning or could be winning. And, and so it's harder to accept that. You know, it's hard to, to look at it and, and play well. Like, I mean, I mean, that game the other day, the Tulane game, I mean, if, if they take care of things, they, they win at Tulane, you know, and, and, and it was, you know, hey, give Tulane a lot of credit. You know, they, they that, there's a reason they had the season they had last year and, and, and what they've done this year. They, they know how to win games. But that was a game that UAB really could have won and maybe you know, possibly should have won. And, and so that's frustrating him right now because, because he, you know, it's um, – and, again, it's a bunch of mistakes, you know. And, you know, like he said yesterday, and he, you know, Jake, Jacobs, you know, the quarterback's been tremendous, you know. But on that play that he fumbled in the end zone, he tried to jump over the top, you know, and and, and – you know, and it's it's something that you know Trent Dilfer told me yesterday. Hey, we don't even practice that. He said we've never done that, and we've never told him to do that. And then he tries it in the game, and it you know fails. So just little things like that turn into big things, and and it just it's it's frustrating. Jalen Key is a, a a really good example of the transfer portal. Uh, great mm-hmm. player at UAB. He transfers. He's starting for Alabama. Uh, that's one of those guys, though, that Dilford didn't feel like Alabama came in and got him. You know, he didn't – he called out a lot of other schools or just in general um, for recruiting guys that are already on your roster. But I, I guess my point is, in a roundabout way, is uh, how does UAB re-recruit when Alabama calls? Well, I, I mean, in that, in that case – Trent Dilfer told him, you know, basically told him to go. You know, I mean, yeah. to me, to me, and Trent Dilfer said this. I mean, is that's what that's the positive thing about the transfer portal right there. Jalen Key is a perfect example of what the transfer portal should be for a lot of kids. I mean, really is. He had a chance to go. Uh, was going to make some money through the NIL there that he couldn't get at UAB. Knew that he was going to play there. You know, I mean, that was one thing I think that was really important for. Trent Dilfer and looking at that, he knew he was going to play there. It wasn't like he was going somewhere to sit. You know, I mean, he knew that he had a chance to really, really contribute there and better, you know, and make some money and better himself in that in that sense. And so, I mean, he's he's happy for that. I mean, then I, now could they use Jim Key? Absolutely right. I mean, I, I mean, I think that I think that he's he he was a huge loss. I mean, he's meant he's meant a lot. It, it would have meant a lot to have him, but. The way the system's set up, I think he's happy for him. That's that's fine. That's a, that's a situation that I don't think anybody you know you have to be crazy if you're a UAB person look at that and and get mad at Jalen Key for doing that. You just you have to be. You, you just, he has to go there. And, and 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 everybody I've talked to over there is happy with the way it's working out for him. How he's playing, contributing, playing really well. Yeah, you know, I mean, so they're they're happy for that. That's the way it should work. Yeah, and on the other side, you've got 
a guy like Trey Sanders, who was just banged up all his career at Alabama, had so much potential, he couldn't see it moving forward. But in comes TCU, and and he goes there, and he's getting some playing time now, and and that's all the kid yeah. wants. And in don't we? I think we miss the side every once in a while. You know, these are young men, and you got to want what's best for them personally too. Hey, uh, can you hang on? Because there are like three or four other topics I got to hit on with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to talk about the Stallions and the future of that league. Hey, we're talking yeah. to Steve Irvine. Steve, tell everybody where you are now, how they can read you. I'm at Magic City Impact, uh, and we're at magiccityimpact.com. It's uh, a UAB site that uh, kind of promotes a, a NIL collective for, for UAB and just telling, telling UAB stories. Yes, and I've read several, and you are still really good at the typewriter. Do you, do you, use oh, them? Do you, use you know what? It's, it's, it's funny. I have a typewriter in my office, and occasionally the kids will go in and, and, and play on it, and uh, and I kind of teach them what to do on a typewriter. Typewriters are cool. All right? I mean, that's just they, they really that's are. the way it is. All right. Uh, Steve Irvine is with us on Big Noon Sports, and we'll continue in just a moment. Football or Big Noon Sports coming up. It is Big Noon Sports. When we talk Alabama sports often, and we do, it's brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. I keep up as best I can here, but what is the latest on the, uh, we know they're going to merge the XFL and the USFL. What's the latest, you know, and what effect will it have on the two time defending, you know, the, the champions of the league and it's only two years of existence. Well, I don't know a whole lot about, you know, exactly what's going to happen. Uh, I, you know, I have talked to some people, uh, that are involved with the USFL that have talked about, um, just how good the two sides are working together right now to, to trying to figure out how this thing's going to merge. It's, it's a really, it's, it's, it's a really, it's kind of, they feel like it's going to be a real smooth sort of, uh, uh, merger, you know, which, which you can't, you know, you can't always guarantee, you know, even if you say going into it, like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, let's merge, you know, sometimes when it's, you know, when it gets, uh, when it starts happening, it doesn't go as smoothly, but apparently from what I've heard, it's, it's really, Smooth so far. Uh, no indication right now of, of you know how many teams or exactly what teams that are that are gonna uh, you know be be in the league. But but I have been told by more than one person that that UA, uh, that Birmingham is is definitely included. That that they're they're part of this uh, this deal and and uh, and we'll see what uh, what happens there. I know they're very they've been very active in in signing guys and and. You know, signing some some guys. You know, a lot of guys that were have been with them the last two years, but also going out and getting some free agents. So, you know, working pretty hard to put that team together. And and so we're just, uh, you know, I would think pretty soon we'll find out. You know, within the next couple of weeks, I would think at the at the latest uh, we'll find out exactly how this is going to look. You know, obviously there'll still be a lot of, I think there will still be a lot of things we we need to figure out. But at least at least get an indication of exactly how it's going to look and. I'm excited. I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's a, a great thing and to um, to really 
kind of guarantee the stability of this thing, you know, because because that's that's the one thing when it is as good as I thought both leagues did, you know, to to uh, these last two years or last you know year for XFL and two years for USFL. That it is still, you know, there's still when you look at it, you go, well, you know, I don't think there's room for two leagues, and 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 so to come together like this, I, you know, I think it's going to be a great thing, and I and I really look forward to seeing seeing how that how it how it works out. What kind of association do these two leagues have with the National Football League? Well, right now it's not. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's there's uh, there's some working together. I mean, there's certainly nothing official. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I think when you have, especially with the USFL, I can speak on a little better, but I think when you have somebody like, you know, like Moose Johnson or Daryl Johnson that's, that's running it, you know, then, then I, I think that's really helped with the, with the relationship they have in the NFL because, because he's such a, you know, he's such a good guy and he's such a good football guy and, and he's just such a solid, you know, human being that, that I think that's really helped their relationship as far as, uh, you know, getting these getting these guys with a chance to to go to the NFL or you know, go to the NFL camps to try, and I think that's another thing that's that's huge with with the USFL. I think the XFL too, but but I don't know them as well. But I know with the USFL, there was never any, uh, you know, never any thought of boy, I don't want them to go. You know, the the, the thought is, hey, I want to put a great product out here, and I want you know, I want these kids, these guys to. You'll get film and show the NFL, and if a guy goes, that's great. You know, there they was never, you know, and I think that was, I think that was huge in the growth of these last two years because, because the goal is to try to get into the to the NFL and 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 get an opportunity in the NFL. So I, I think that I think the I think it'll grow, you know, especially now that they're t- together. But I think they've got a good relationship as it is. You had a great relationship with Skip Holtz. Two years, he, he coached the Stallions to the championship. Have you had a chance to get in contact with him since he's gone to Northwestern as kind of their consultant, interim coach, whatever his position is actually called? No, I haven't had a chance to reach out, and I would like to uh, because, uh, you know, they're playing pretty well, you know, for for the situation that, they, that they're were thrown into. Uh, I think they were two and two uh, going into this week. I think I think I'm right on that. But uh, but no, I haven't had a chance to talk to him. But 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 I, you know, even when it happened, I, I thought like this is the perfect guy to go in a situation like that because just it, just his personality and you know, and obviously he's a really good football coach. And but but just his, I guess calmness type. You know, to go in a, situ- a volatile situation like that, I, I think he was the perfect guy to. To go in there and help that out, and and uh, you know we'll I'm sure we'll have a, we'll find out a lot of tales when he comes back. Yeah, he, you know what? You're exactly right. He was a perfect fit for that. Hey, let me get your thoughts on a couple of teams here in the state of Alabama. How about Auburn? Uh, just really hanging tight with the Bulldogs of Georgia. Uh, was it Saturday? Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, they played well, didn't they? That was that was impressive. I mean, I think the. The one thing that you can't ever lose sight of is that's a hard place to play. I don't care who you are, uh, you know, especially when they're playing well. I mean, but it's a hard place to play. And, uh, you know, and the other thing is if, you know, if Brock Bowers doesn't show up, then, uh, then they got a chance. But uh, my goodness, is that guy good? My, you know, I mean, it's, really? it's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing that what he what he can do. And, you know, I thought Carson Beck showed a lot of poise, you know, there, there toward the end and, you know, made, made some plays too. And, 
Uh, but yeah, what what a game! I think that's the kind of game that will help uh, you know help Auburn grow. Even though you don't want to you know you don't want to grow uh, you know after a loss, you don't want to use that as your you know for your growth. But I think they I think they do grow from uh, you know for, from that game. Alabama, um, pretty convincing win of Mississippi State, forty to seventeen. I think that went as a lot expected, and a lot wanted to see Alabama improve and continue to dominate at the line of scrimmage. What are your thoughts on Jalen Milrow as a quarterback moving forward throughout the rest of the season? I like him. I mean, I like him from from the first. I know he struggled against uh, Texas, but I, but I tell you what, there's a little different feel around that program than when they left Tampa. You know, obviously, and you know, I think that that was, you know, you can look at that, and 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 at the time it was miserable, you know, but but I, I think that that's, you know, that's the chance. That's when they turn into a team. I think and. And it was, you know, a great coaching job by uh, by Nick Saban to, to, you know, to to do that. I think, and and uh, you know, for the growth of the team moving forward. But you know, I like the I like the way that Milrose playing with some confidence now, and and you know, he seems to be a lot more comfortable playing the position uh, than than he you know, than he was, you know, in the Texas game, and uh, and so it's um they're playing well right now. And I mean, and you know, it's funny as I was looking at the schedule, you know. Just before we got on the on the uh, on the uh, radio here, and you know, I mean, this hey, this is a tough one this week, no doubt. Having to go to to uh, or uh, go to Texas A and M, or you know, next one going to Texas A and M, and but you know, you look it down at it, and you're like, you know, I pretty much see them winning out. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I pretty much see them winning out if they keep playing like they're playing last week and really last, you know, last week and then the last half of the Ole Miss game or second half of the Ole Miss game. I just I just like the way they're playing right now. Steve, do you have an AP vote? No, I do not. I used to, but uh, not anymore. Well, let's say you did. Who would be one? I mean, I, I still have Georgia there. Uh, I, I I just think that um, you know until they get beat or until you know, I think until they get beat, I, you know, I I, I would I, personally I would vote I would vote Georgia there. Uh, who, who I'd have. Who else has opened your eyes this season, nationally? Uh, um, well, I like the way Michigan has played. I like the way Oregon's played. Uh, you know, um, I like the, um, I, you know, Florida State keeps winning. You know, I mean, I, I think it's, um, you know, I think, I think it's, it's. I've always felt like it's, you know, we're about the mid, we're close to the midway point, but, but, you know, to me, it's, it's how you how you keep developing, you know? So, so to me, you know, week five or whatever this is, is not, is, is not that important to me who I vote number one, you know? Uh, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's partly why I would have Georgia number one, because, you know, they were one coming in and, you know, and, and, and they're coming off. I know it's a different year, but they're still coming off a couple of national championships. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, as we keep going, you know, if they keep struggling like they did at Auburn, even though Auburn's a tough place to play, then you know, then maybe somebody, maybe by week seven or eight, you know, somebody's developed ahead of them. But uh, you know, I, I just think right now, you know, I, that's that's where I go. Steve, you're always very generous with your time. Magic City Impact is it? MagicCityImpact.com. Yes, it is. MagicCityImpact.com. Tim Stevens and myself, uh, we're having a blast doing this, and like I say, just telling telling good UAB stories. And that's perfect because you're working on the collective and you 
you know, you tell people about the program, then hopefully they open up their wallets. That's kind of how it works, isn't it? That's how it works. That's what uh, that's what the goal is, and uh, I think I think we've you know made an impact already, and and uh, we just need to keep building. Hey, uh, my best to your family. We'll talk maybe even later this week. I don't know, but uh, really appreciate it again, Steve Irvine, Magic City Impact. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you, Matt. You betcha. All right, when we get back, we got to talk, Justin. We got to talk about Ole Miss LSU. What a crazy. Fun, special game. And then, you know, on the downside, there was the aftermath. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. It's a talking Tuesday on the Miller's Edge. We'll break down AM versus the Tide. Nick Saban versus another assistant. We'll take your phone calls. We'll give you keys to the game tomorrow on a Talking Tuesday on the Miller's Edge on the Tide. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon. The sky's sunny. The high today in the upper 80s, around 88. Mostly clear tonight, below 64. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 86 and 89 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, taking the day off. He is uh, he's mourning what the Bengals have become, and his man Joe Burrow is not performing. But he's hurt. Come on. Justin Jones is our producer, and he'll be co-hosting this show for the remainder of the hour. Also, for the remainder of the hour, the code to win $30,000 is 496. It'll change at 2 o'clock. So go ahead and download our app at Tide 100.9 and click appropriately and enter to win $30,000. It was a crazy afternoon in Oxford. I mean, just absolutely nuts. Uh, let me see. Last count, and they may still be scoring. 1,343 total yards, Justin. Just absolutely. They left the defenses on the plane. What do you think? Yeah, they didn't need to bring him onto the field, Matt. And I think the thing that really stood out to me is Jaden Daniels is very, very good at quarterback. Yep. Outstanding. Um, but they came up on the short end. Ole Miss wins at 55 to 49. Um, and they rushed the field, Justin. I, I don't understand. 
you know, I can barely understand you rushing the field if you upset, like Alabama, when Tennessee did. It ended a 15-year skid. We all know that and so forth. I still don't excuse it. We can't do this. Somebody's going to get hurt. And it happened, though. You, you beat one of your biggest rivals. But here's my question for you, Justin. My personal thought is that had that been a lower scoring, like 24 to 20 win, and even down to the last second exciting, um, I'm not sure they're rushing the field. But the emotions of that game just continued to build and build and build. And I think that's what ended up costing Mississippi 100K. It def- I, think, I think you're right. It, it wasn't really – I mean, they're two ranked teams. Um, was it, LSU was ranked higher than Ole Miss, right? Or, um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And so – but it wasn't that much of a difference in rankings. Maybe um, not. I'll look it up. I think it was a big, it was a big game for the SEC. But, like, you, yeah, I think if it, the game ended at halftime – I don't know if they rushed the field then, but of course it didn't. But it, I think just the back and forth of the offenses, as well as the amount of big plays that were being had on by both teams, it, it reached like a breaking point, and then they stormed the field. And then the story there as well is the LSU player basically uh, giving it to an Ole Miss uh, fan that rushed on the field, kind of got in his face. What do you think about that situation, Matt? Um, I don't know that I've seen that. The video I saw was the security guard trying to protect the end zone. And it looked like it was a student section area because all of the people that were running on the field from there, uh, well, they looked like students. And he'd try and block one. He kind of held his arms out. He'd try and block this one coming over here. And then, unfortunately, for all involved, he slid over and an elbow caught a co-ed right in the head. And so I'm sure he's going to get fired. But you know what? He doesn't get fired, and he's not put into that position if they don't rush the field. So tell me about the one. Tell me about the player and the fan. Yeah. So there's a video that's kind of been circulating on on X. Um, That feels weird to say still, but it's it's of a a student, uh, Ole Miss student, running onto the field. I can't uh, recall who the LSU player was, but he's got his cell phone, and this is where the recording's from. Puts it right in the LSU player's face, and the LSU player just checks him, just straight like he was on the O line, on the D line. Puts the guy on his back, um, and then of course the Ole Miss student is yelling expletives at him um, as he walks away. But it, it's almost seemed like it was deserved by the student. I mean, you storm the field and then immediately go run up to an opposing player and you're shoving a camera in his face. Um, I don't know. It's kind of uh, reminiscent of the Jermaine Burton incident, like you just mentioned at the Tennessee game last year, where it's, I don't know if it's kind of a strange spot. You don't want the player to do that to a fan, but the fan really shouldn't be on the field, let alone right up trying to taunt someone that's a little bit, not a little bit, a lot bigger than him because this was clearly a, a lineman of sorts, a tall guy, big guy. How did he hit him? Did he block him or did he just slug him? He didn't punch him. He didn't do that. I think he just blocked him, shoved him straight to the ground. Just, I think, like like I was saying, like, uh, 
if you if you've ever been on the O line or the D line, you take those two hands, you put them right into the chest yeah. of uh, somebody. I think he did that, and he he cleaned him though. Uh, it was it was a solid hit. So just imagine yourself, although you're a tough little running back, I mean linebacker, but just imagine running into J.C. Latham. I mean, who's going to win that war? Battle, fight, whatever. Uh, I don't think I stand a chance. So I, I, th- There's just a different level uh, that these guys play and hit at, the physicality. Even in the games where we think there's not a lot of it, like the USF game, I still wouldn't want to be hit or tackled by any, by none of the USF players even, probably. Yeah, and you went down for that game, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I was sitting in the, in the the press box, but I was I was gladly standing on the sideline. I wasn't suiting up <laughs> or anything like that uh, to go in. You know, uh, back in the day when I first started covering like Alabama and Auburn on a, on an every week basis, the players were big, but then about eighty three or eighty four, Pat Dye started getting offensive and defensive linemen that just towered over everybody. Alabama was winning games with 260-pound linemen, um, and, and that was part of Bryant's favor. Uh, you know, guys like Jerry Duncan. But now you walk past the J.C. Latham, and you just so how large can a human being get? Uh, what is he, 6'7", 360? Something like that. And they got two more like him. Yeah, they, they got three. They got three. Yeah. It's crazy. But, um, anyway. Uh, Justin, uh, Braves, Braves did not win last night, but they finished the season 104 and 58. They hit 370 home run, 307 home runs. Oh, I wish they'd have managed one more because that ties the all time baseball record, but being 104 and 58 and headed a postseason, they have home field advantage throughout the national league and they'll play the winner of the Marlins Phil's wild card. Have you got a feeling? Are you a Braves guy? I'll probably ask you that. I'm I'm actually not. Um, I'm not the biggest baseball guy, but I, I pull for Tampa. That's uh, kind of what I'm used to uh, going to high school down there, pulling for the Rays. So they're, they're in the playoffs as well. And they just had uh, Yandy Diaz was the uh, the batting leader i think is the word for the al so um yeah that guy flirted with 400 for a while he did yeah he did um i am scared of the braves i don't want to see them in the playoffs um but i I think all the momentum is rolling with atlanta right now because they just are stacked at every spot and um acuna is a monster (laughs) mvp yeah he's mvp if um he's the best player in baseball other than Otani, uh, and that's because he can do both. But the Braves have issues, and it's coming up at the worst time, obviously, in postseason because there is doubt with Max Freed. Uh, Charlie Morton will not play in, in the first series, so that's tough. And the bullpen's beat up. So Atlanta's got some issues, and you know this, even though you say you just marginally keep up with baseball. You know what wins in postseason more than stroking home runs is pitching, and particularly your bullpen. you got to be able to close out a team like the Philadelphia Phillies who can come back and hang five on you in one inning late. Anyway, hey, Justin, it has been a, a fabulous day. What do you say we do this again in 22 hours? Sounds good, Matt. Have a blessed day.